There once lived an old couple that had no sons, they had no daughters. The couple was kind of lonely. So one day the, the old lady decided she was going to bake a gingerbread. Not just any kind of gingerbread, but a gingerbread boy. So she rolled out the dough. She cut it into the shape of a little boy. And she made him two good-sized feet, gave him eyes, gave him a mouth made of raisins. And she stuck a little cinnamon drop for a nose. And she put a little row of raisins down his jacket for buttons. And there she said, now we have a little gingerbread boy of our own. She was proud of her creation. She puts him in the oven, waiting for him to bake. The couple was excited, but in no time the gingerbread boy was finished baking and he, he walked, they walked to the oven, opened it up, and the gingerbread boy jumps out and he runs off. And the couple runs after him. And as we know, the gingerbread boy laughs and he says, run, run, catch me if you can. You can't catch me on the gingerbread boy. Just like that, he was gone. Running away from the house. Running away from the those who gave him life. Running away from his creators. We all are familiar with that child story. But it's also the story of our lives. We're running. Running here. Running there. And if we can admit it, we ourselves are gingerbread people who are prone to run from the one who created us. Prone to run from his house. Gingerbread people have identity issues. Our dignity is broken. We want empowerment but don't have it. We want significance. We don't have it. We want security. We want we don't have it. We want self-worth and we don't have it. So we run away from our creator trying to find answers to those questions. And what do we run to? Jesus, through a simple parable, tells us. And during his earthly ministry, he always used parables to, to communicate spiritual truths in a simple way. So if you have your Bible, open it to Luke 15, beginning in verse 11. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And the father divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered all his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him to work and feed, to send him into his fields to feed his pigs. He was longing to be fed with the food that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your house servants. And he arose and, and he came to his father. But while he was still long away off, his father saw him and felt compassion 
and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Father, this is your truth. It's your very word, Lord, that you inspired through your spirit, through your apostles. It's not the opinion of man. It's not the opinion of the village church or my opinion, but it's truth. And it's powerful. And we need your spirit, Lord, the Holy Spirit, to come and make it applicable to our life. To apply it into the places where we truly live. The things that we're going through. We need a word of God to speak into our life. Not just something that we read, but it speaks into our life. Lord, in a powerful way. And I pray that you will speak it into my life, into my own heart today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. And these two sons were gingerbread sons. Both wanted to find life outside the father's house. And yet the father did not abandon them. But he patiently and lovingly dealt with them. This morning, we're going to take a look at one of these sons, the younger son, and how the father dealt with this son. He was a gingerbread son with identity issues. His identity was misplaced because he saw it in the wrong places. The picture we have here is that of a father who had acquired some level of wealth, an amount of wealth that he shared with his sons, an amount of wealth that he was even going to leave them some, something behind when he died. An inheritance. And so in this parable, the younger son approached his father. Just to say the father was at the table having his morning coffee or tea. And and his younger son approached him. Not with a good morning, dad. Not with, how are you doing, dad? But the first words out of his mouth was, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. Give it to me. The verb that, he, that, the, that, the, that the writer uses here to communicate, to give, is the son is asking the father for a specific action. He doesn't want the father to, to be late. He wants the father to be, do it right now. He wants the father to be urgent. Be urgent and give me the share of the property that is coming to me. Can you sense the attitude of this younger son, the ungratefulness? The entitlement, the pride, the arrogance. Give me the share of the property that is coming to me. It's disrespectful to ask for your inheritance before your father dies. It's disrespectful, particularly in this culture, to ask for your inheritance before the father's death. And so the son was basically saying, Father, I wish you were dead. And all I want from you is your money. Go ahead and give it to me. I'm tired of being here, Dad. This place is cramping my style. I got places to go. I got things to do. 
I'm no longer happy here. Happiness is found out there, outside of your house, out in the far country. It's time for us to separate. I want to be independent of you. It's time for me to be my own man. Just give me the property that is coming to me. This son, gingerbread son, wanted the inheritance of his father without any type of relationship with the father, without any type of commitment to the father. He wanted all the benefits of being a son, but no relationship, no boundaries, just all the benefits. Give it to me. What was the father's request, response? What did the father do? The text said the father divided his property between them. He gave him no pushback. He gave it to him. He granted his request. He gave him the share of the property that was coming to him. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and he took a journey into the far country. He gathered all he had means he sold his piece of the property for cash. And, he made, and his, so he made plans to leave. There was no delay. He had his money. He had his freedom. It was time for him to leave his father's house, to move away from his father's authority, to move away from his father's care. He got all these things, and he was not coming back to his father's house. He considered himself now free. Free, but yet ungrateful. He was a gingerbread son running as fast as he could from his father's house. We look at this son, we say, man, he's a rebel. Man, he's self-centered. He's foolish. He's a sinner. And yet he is you. He is me. With identity issues. An identity that is misplaced. So he goes to the far country to find himself. To find himself. At times we do the same. In our heart of hearts, we want independence from God. We want it. We don't want to be in his house. We want to go to the distant land. We want the benefits of being called Christian, being called sons, being called daughters. But we don't always want the authority that comes with it. We don't always want to be under his provisions that also comes with that. We want him to finance our journey. That's what we want. We want him to finance it. Just like the younger son. Just finance my journey to a distant land, Dad, so I can go find myself. So I can go find happiness. Just give me the benefits. Give me the means to do it. We want it to be on his dime. We are gingerbread people. Run as fast as we can into the far country. And what do we find there? What do you really find there? Do you find yourself? Is it really fixing your identity? Is it? What is your far country? Is it truly greener on that side? How did it work out for the younger son? How did it work out for the gingerbread boy? Not too well. Not too well at all. See, the gingerbread man, he was fast. And everybody came across. He became very, he was clever and he became very prideful until he ran into the arms of danger. Until he ran into someone that was more clever than him, the clever little fox. The far country is a clever little fox. It looks exciting, 
It may have, say it has your best interest in mind, but it does not. It pretends to be your friend, pretends to have your best interest at heart, but that's when it traps you. This is what happened to the younger son. It trapped him. The far country didn't help him. It didn't help him find himself. It just broke him. It broke him. It revealed that his identity was not just misplaced. It was actually broken. A broken identity. Verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had. He took a journey into the far country, and there he squandered all his property on reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. And he was longing to eat the food the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. So he goes to the country. He lives it up. Wild parties. Just think about whatever you can imagine. You have all that money. No parental oversight. You're free. No responsibility. So you what? You're going to live it up. Sin City. Having a good old time. He was finally happy. He was finally free. He was finally his own man. But guess what? The money didn't last. (laughs) It ran out. And his so-called friends, all those friends that he had when he had all that money, guess what? Gone. He was by himself. Alone, out of money, broke, all on loose living. And to get things worse, a severe famine happened in the land. And he began to be in need. And so he hired himself out to a Gentile. Jews don't hire themselves out to Gentiles. But he was desperate. But he was desperate. So he hired himself out to a Gentile. And he sent him to work with his pigs. Pigs. And if you know anything about Jews, they don't have anything to do with pigs. Well, they're unclean. They won't ever, they're not around them. But this is how broken he was. I'll work with this unclean animal so I can get something to eat. Not only that, I'm willing to eat what they were eating. Broken. Broken. He was now unclean. No one would give him anything to eat. The younger son finally came to an end of himself. His identity was broken. You see, consequences are always the best teacher in life. And the younger son learned this the hard way. The hard way. The hard way. His plan to be free backfired on him. He went from being a son of a rich man to now being a poor poor man who had no one with him, no one to help him, no one to provide for him. And back at his father's house, the the distant land always was appealing. He fantasized about going there. And that's what the far country does to you. From a distance, it always looks beautiful to to want something that you don't have. It turns out that the far country was not a shiny place of happiness, but a rainy place of despair. When he left his father's house, he thought he was taking those steps of freedom. I'm independent now. I'm safe. But in reality, it was steps of death and slavery. He just didn't see it. Blinded by it. Like a mouse that eats the the cheese on the trail, 
He doesn't know where the trail is leading to. It's leading to his death. It leads to his death. That's what the far country does to you. Bait. And a lot of us take the bait. We take the bait. We take the bait till bam. Bam. Just like the mouse on the mouse trap. This is what a far country will do to you. It leads to brokenness. It may be good in the beginning, but in the end, it's not going to give you what you're looking for. It's not going to give you what you thought it was going to give you. It's going to always let you down. And the question is, what is your far country? It's going to be different for everybody. Sex, it could be drugs, it could be certain things you watch on TV that you shouldn't watch. What is it? What are you going to to give you answers to your identity issues, to your brokenness? What are you running toward? And the question is, is it working for you? Do you have your answers? Do you? Are you drifting away from fellowshipping with God's people? Far country. Are you drifting away from worship on Sundays? Far country. Are you drifting away into immoral or loose living? Far country. Are you drifting away to making compromises of your faith? Far country. What's the catchphrase from the old TV show, Lost in Space? Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Danger, Christian. Danger. Danger. But what's funny is that many of us would not heed the Holy Spirit warning. Because he always warns us there's danger. And some of us would still go. We're still going to go. We're still going to take the trip. Because this time we think the trip's going to be different. It's going to be different this time. The country's going to be different this time. I got it figured out. This time it's not going to break me. This time it's going to give me everything I want. But here's the thing. It never will give you what you want it to give you. Because it can't. It's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. The younger son runs to the far country and it breaks him. The only good that comes out of the far country is this. It will always reveal your brokenness. It will always reveal your brokenness to you. That's the only good that comes out of it. And that's what happened to the younger son. It opened his eyes to his own brokenness. It opened his eyes to it. He saw his need. A need he didn't see when he was at his father's house. But when he went into the far country, it broke him. And it showed him his own need that he didn't see in his father's house. And here's the thing. Sin his own need, sin his own brokenness was the first step to having his identity restored. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's house servants have more than enough? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The text says, when he came to himself, that meant the son started to see his own brokenness. He said, how many of my father's house servants have more than enough? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. He saw his need. He saw himself as a gingerbread son. He finally came to his senses. He finally saw the folly of his ways. He finally saw 
his sin as sin. Sin that he didn't see when he was in his father's house. But in the far country, it broke him to a point where he came to an end of himself. When he realized, I'm in a situation that I can't fix. He saw his sin. He remembered his father in his father's house. It brought him to the end of himself where he was ready to repent. It brought him to a place where he was finally ready to acknowledge, I'm broken. I have issues. I'm a sinner. He's so much so, he saw his own unworthiness to even be called a son. He saw his shame. He saw his guilt. He saw how he disrespected the father. And he saw how much he sinned against God and against his dad, that he was unworthy of his father's favor, unworthy of his father's forgiveness, unworthy of his father's mercy and grace. So much so, I only want to, you don't even have to make me your son. Just make me a servant. Don't even acknowledge me as your son anymore. Treat me as the help. That's how unworthy I am of it, Father. And that was his plan to go back. Just treat me as a servant. But just receive me back. I I don't have to have the title anymore. Don't you often feel like that? Shame and guilt over your sin can make you feel unworthy of being called a son or daughter. It can. We all have a need that we're trying to meet. And that's why we journey into the far country in order to meet that need for our identity for self-worth, for security, for significance, for dignity. No matter what you're running to in the far country, it's not going to meet that need. Never going to meet that need. Well, you might say, well, I'm not broken right now, Pastor Alex. Trust me, eventually something's going to break you and what's going to hold you up when it happens. We all go through stuff. You might not be going through stuff now, but one day you're going to lose something and you're going to be broken about it. And who's going to pull you out of that brokenness? The far country ain't. It chews you up and spit you out. Because, again, it ain't Jesus. It ain't ever going to be Jesus. It's going to break you. Hopefully, it will open your eyes to your need. Do you see your brokenness this morning? Do you see your sin this morning? If so, arise and go to the Father. Repent of your sin and ask him to forgive you of your sin. And if you have not ever received Christ, receive him as your Lord and Savior. You'll never come to God if you never see your own sin and brokenness. You have to see it. Because if you never have a need, you're never going to go to him if you never see it. If you ever think you got it, if you think you got it, I got this, you're never going to come to him. Because you don't need him. But a far country is going to show you just how messed up you are, that you don't got it, that you need help that's outside of yourself. Some of you feel you've been in the far country so long that you're beyond hope, that you're so broken that God can't reach you. So you feel with so much shame and so much guilt that you're dying on the inside. And I say to you, arise and go to the Father. There ain't a place you can go that he can't reach you. 
There ain't a land you can go to where his hand cannot reach you. It can reach you. It can pull you out wherever you feel like you can. He can't pull you out from. It can reach you wherever you are. Arise and go. Others of you have been Christians for a while, and, and you're thinking, when am I going to stop wandering into the far country? When am I going to stop being a gingerbread person, a gingerbread Christian who's prone to wonder? When is that going to change? And I say to you, arise and go to the Father and hear him say, I know you are but dust. And I love you anyway. I love gingerbread people. And that's you. You got to hear him say that. I know that you are but dust and that you are prone to wonder. And I love you anyway. Arise and go to him. Just like the younger son who left his father's house with steps of pride and independence. And now he's going to be returning to his father's house broken with shame and with guilt. I'm sure it was a long journey back home. A long journey. And as he walked, he didn't know what the father was going to do or how the father would receive him. He hoped the father would show him a little bit of grace, just an ounce of mercy by making him a servant. So he still made the journey because he felt like the father would accept him really, really accept him on some level. And so he finally make it to, makes it to the dirt road that leads to his father's house. And the text says, while the younger son was still far off, the father saw him, felt compassion for him, ran and embraced him and kissed him. Notice what the text says, that while the son was far off, which means he still has some distance to go before he made it to the father's house. But before he could approach the father, the father saw him. Meaning the father knew that things didn't go well for his son in the far country. He knew it. That's why he's coming back. He knew it didn't go well. The father knew his son was returning home in shame and in guilt, humiliation, and brokenness. He saw him. You got to understand, not just a physical sense, but he saw. He knew what his son went through and what he was going through. And the father, was he filled with rage? Did he say, that's what he gets? Did he say that's what he deserved? Did he say when he gets up to my porch, I'm going to blast him out for what he did, for how he disrespected me? Know what he says. He felt compassion on the son who disrespected him. The father was deeply moved with compassion. So much so, the father did not give his son time to walk the path to his house. The father went to him. The father ran to meet his son while he was still far off. You say, why is that beautiful? Why is that beautiful? You see, the son was returning home with shame and guilt and humiliation. And when he got closer to his father's house, all those servants who saw that younger son leave were going to be like this when his son came up the road. Mm -hmm. Look at you. Look at you. How you feel now? Broken, shame, look at what you did to your dad. And the dad says, instead of letting my son go through all that, I'm going to take it upon myself. I'm going to run to him, the son who sinned against me, 
the son who disrespected me, I'm going to take his shame and his guilt and his humiliation and his brokenness upon myself. You got to see that's what's happening in this situation. I'm going to run to him so that he doesn't have to bear the shame and guilt. I'm going to take it upon myself because I love him. The father runs toward the son, embraces him, and kisses him, and welcomes him back into the fold. Is that beautiful? Is that awesome? This embrace and this kiss was, was, was for grace. It was mercy. It was forgiveness. All wrapped up in one embrace and one kiss. You know what the son told the father? He tried to tell the father what he rehearsed. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as a servant. But guess what? The father didn't even acknowledge it. He didn't even acknowledge it. Why? Because I bored already. I've already taken away the shame. I've already taken away the guilt by accepting you. You're not going to be treated as a servant. You're my son. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm not going to treat you like a servant. He says, the father says, go get the best robe. Put sandals on his feet, rings on his hands. Go get the fattened calf and kill it. This son of mine who was lost is now found, was dead and now alive. Let's celebrate. Even though the son rebelled, the father did not stop loving him. The father gave him freedom to fail. Freedom to make mistakes. And God does the same for us. You see, what makes grace what it is, it's not the adjectives that we put in front of it, like amazing and radical or scandalous grace, but it's a possessive noun that goes in the front of grace that makes what it is. It's the Father's grace. Because without that Father, it ain't radical. It ain't amazing. And it ain't scandalous. It's His grace what makes it amazing. That's what makes it awesome. The Father does. Who the Father is. That he loves gingerbread people. And through his son, he takes away the shame and guilt and humiliation and brokenness. And he takes it upon himself on the cross. But do we believe it? Do you live in it? When we lived in Simpsonville, South Carolina, Waikita and I watched this movie. It's a, it was a... It's an okay movie, but I like one scene in the movie. It's when a girl named Christina had a confrontation with her mother. You see, Christina and her mother, they live in a Hispanic community in, in Los Angeles for years. And for years, they never ventured outside their community for anything. Their identity was tied to their Hispanic heritage. And when, Chris, and when Christina's mother gets a job for a wealthy American family, they, things begin to change for her and her mom. It all started the summer that Christina spent with her mother at the beach with this wealthy family. That summer, Christina got sucked into American culture. She loved it. She thrived in it. She dove head first into it. And that fall, she even got to go to a wealthy American private school. And Christina began, started looking different to her mom. 
she began to look more and more like this American family and less like her mom. In an instance, Christina's identity started falling apart. She started losing it. And her mother sees this. And in the climax of the movie, Christina and her mother go head to head in a heated argument because her mother decided to quit her job, pull her out of the school, and go back to her neighborhood. Christina was furious. She is angry with her mother. She yells at her mother, telling her mother, you're ruining everything. I will never be able to forgive you for this, she tells her mom. She hurts her mom with those words. In the midst of this confrontation, her mother asks her a very important question. She says, Christina, is what you want for your life to become someone very different than me? If, is what you want for your life to become someone very different than me? That question cut to the core of Christina's identity. And that question changed her. And she got it. And the, and the movie jumps years ahead um, and, 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 she, and to the place where she's writing the essay to Princeton to get in. And this is what she tells them. She says she's overwhelmed by the encouragement for her to apply for her at university and all of the scholarships they have made available to her. She says, while your acceptance of me will thrill me, it will not define me. My identity rests firmly and happily on one fact. I am my mother's daughter. My identity rests firmly and happily on one fact. I am my mother's daughter. Can you say my identity rests firmly and happily on one fact, I am Yahweh's son. I am Yahweh's daughter. Because if you can't, you're going to always have identity issues. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that because of Christ, that statement is true. That our identity, Lord, rests firmly and happily on one fact. That I am Yahweh's son. Because of Christ, because of his sacrifice, because of what he did for all of us. And my prayer for each of us this week, Lord, is that we will know what that means to have our identity in Christ. To know that we are taken care of. To know that in your house, Lord, we are taken care of, we are provided for. So help us to love you more. Help the Holy Spirit to draw our hearts closer to you and less to the other things that we run to to find life, to find happiness, to find peace. Help us to rest in your house. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let us stand as we close our service.